talk to you about the attitude of gratitude. There's very few things that we talk about that singularly are life changers. I mean, literally, we'll take, take your life from one direction, change it, and put it in another direction. Tonight's one of those. Have you ever been around somebody that's negative? And I've been, I've been there myself. I've been there myself. Couldn't hardly see a positive thing no matter what it was. And have you ever been around anybody that's positive? You know, they got the attitude of gratitude. They just walk around saying, I have seen people with the attitude of gratitude that have been in bad shape. They've been in bad shape. I mean, they really didn't have a whole lot to be happy about that I could see. They didn't have a whole lot to be thankful for that I could see. But they had the attitude of gratitude. And what a difference it made in their lives that they looked at the cup half full rather than half empty. It's not just positive thinking. We're talking something from God here. That if you, you know, Jesus said you receive not because you ask not. And I think Brother Moon told a story about Lely. Alethea, how she wanted my bunny. I gave her the my wife's therapy bunny. My wife had a therapy bunny called Shingles. And, uh, oh, yeah. And then when a bunny got big, when a bunny gets big, they're not fun anymore. They want to scratch you. They want to mate. They get mean. And so it's time to get rid of them. I was just going to let it go outside. and It's got a life expectancy of about two days outside my house. But I said, hey, it's, it's life. Somebody, I said, everything, my explanation to my wife was everything's got to eat. <clears throat> it's wrong for me to deny the coyotes. It's wrong for me to deny the bobcat his good meal. I mean, everybody's got to live, right? So I was going to let the rabbit go and just let it go. But she said, oh, not this rabbit. So we ended up, Brother Moon had had, had been absolutely stonewall Jackson. He is a Southerner, so that his, his his daughter could not have a rabbit. Uh, but that he, he, you know, she just she just never quit asking. And when she got him, caught him in a mood where he said, "Okay." He don't even know why he said, "Okay." He came to me and says, "Why did I say that?" I said, "Brother, I don't know. If you don't know, I don't know." So I gave her the rabbit. Then it had to be a cage and. It had to be a big cage, and then Grandma got in, and it was a mess. But uh, I told him that's one of the best illustrations of being positive. She never gave up. She didn't say, well, I'm just, my daddy's never going to give me a rabbit. I'll just quit. You know, a lot of times we quit. I believe just before God says, okay, you can have it. The attitude of gratitude. Let's take it from a verse here, Genesis chapter 40, verse 23. Probably a verse you didn't expect me to go to. Genesis chapter 
40, verse 23, if you take your Bibles to Genesis chapter 40, we're going to, I'm not going to read the whole passage. Most of you are familiar enough with the Bible. I will explain it. I will read this verse. Verse 23, it says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Most of you know that Joseph's in prison. These two men come. They'd been chief baker and the chief butler had been thrown in prison by the Pharaoh. And uh, Joseph has a dream and basically tells the butler, you're going to get uh, raised back up to your position. The baker, you're going to lose your head. But the butler, you're going to get raised back up to your position. And so, sure enough, it happened. And Joseph, uh, he promised Joseph. He promised Joseph that as soon as he could, he would mention Joseph's predicament because Joseph had been thrown in prison falsely. And by that time, he'd been in prison quite a while. In verse 14 of that passage you go to, he says, Joseph says to this guy, this butler who had a favorable dream towards and in fact got restored to his original position, he says, but think on me when it shall be well with thee. And show kindness, I pray thee, unto me. And make mention of me unto Pharaoh. And bring me out of this house. This was a prison. It's a prison house he had been made the leader of. Like so many of us, after the crisis of deliverance and the blessing, we forget who made them possible. It's so important in our Christian life not to forget where we came from. You know, you can get years and years away from your foundations and you can forget that you're just a sinner saved by the grace of God. That God took you out of the miry pit, every one of you, and put your feet on a solid rock, Christ Jesus. It is, our evil nature has an ability to forget the good things that God has done for us if we're not careful. The Bible says he forgot Joseph. He forgot Joseph. Two full years. If I may say, and many of you that have been in pain, you know how slow time goes when you're in pain. Now, you that haven't been in pain, God bless your soul. I hope you never find this out. But you will. But if you're in pain, time goes slow. Oh, my, 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 my. When you get ready to have your baby, for him, it'll just fly by. It won't for you. Um, no doom and gloom. No doom and gloom, you know, because you've heard every doom and gloom story there is. When you get pregnant, everybody comes and tells you everybody's had ever, ever any kind of trouble. When you buy a motorcycle, it's the same thing. You buy a motorcycle, people tell you every aunt, uncle, brother, sister, everybody's been killed, maimed, legs been cut off, but I still rode it anyway. And you're going to have the baby no matter what they tell you, amen. That's the worst agony I ever felt, but man, don't pay attention. But when you're in pain, I tell you, I just can't even believe how slow time goes. I mean, you'll be in agony thinking it's forever. You'll look at the clock, it's five minutes. Five minutes? I can't live. I can't live with this if this goes this slow. Something's got to happen. Imagine two years. After God came and delivered his butler, 
And the butler says, I'm going back to Pharaoh's court. The one guy who had the ability to just let him out, he says, I'll remember you. Well, sure. Who wouldn't remember? But he didn't remember. Two years went by. Those were long years for Joseph. I'm going to say, oh, may we have this in some portion. May we have the heart of Joseph. That old boy had every reason to get bitter that a human being ever was given to get bitter. Now, come on. You may have had things turn bad for you. And you may have had harsh things come into your life. But you never had anything like Joseph. Nobody in this room has even had anything close to what Joseph had as far as discouraging. Man, oh man, he was betrayed by his brother, sold as a slave, went into prison, finally got up, you know, Potiphar's wife wouldn't let him, wouldn't let him go, falsely accused him, he gets thrown back into prison. He was he's just basically there to rot the rest of his life. Uh he he God gives him a vision with his butler. He gets an opportunity to get out, thinking, okay, maybe my deliverance is coming. And this old boy, don't even two long years. By the way, he did not know this story. He did not know it was just going to be two years. He did not know it was going to be two years. It could have been five years. It could have been ten years. But he didn't know it. But two long years pass. And, and finally, this old boy remembers him. Have you ever wondered why David was called a man after God's own heart? I know everybody's got their theories about it. I don't think it was because he was the best man around or was the most pure, definitely not the most pure man around. He wasn't necessarily the smartest man, definitely not the most educated or talented man, though he was talented. What was it about David that God noticed about him that he called him a man after my own heart? Could it have been that he never forgot those who helped him be what he was? David never forgot those who helped him. Let's, let's review a few, few of those. Take your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 20, and let's read a few verses there in 1 Samuel chapter 20 about a young man named Mephibosheth and Jonathan. You know, David was a friend of Jonathan. Let's read, first of all, where that happened. Verse 14, and thou shalt not only, are you all there? And thou shalt not only while yet I show I live, show me the kindness of the Lord that I die not, but also that thou cut not off thy kindness from my house forever. Know not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, this is Jonathan talking to him, every one from the face of the earth. Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. And skip down to 2 Samuel. Years pass. Jonathan is dead. David's king. He's in power now. Many years later, many years later, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, it says, And David said, Is there any of uh, that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? There was of the house of Saul, a servant whose name was Ziba. And when he had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, and this is the key right here, Is there not any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan, Hath yet a son which is lame in his feet. 
course, this was the story of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, you got to understand, David did not allow, and you're not, whether you understand this or don't understand this, David did not allow any handicapped people in Jerusalem, in the city of David. He did not allow any handicapped people in the city of David. And so he felt funny about that. He didn't want that. To, he didn't want a bunch of handicapped folks to be in this city and wouldn't allow them in the city. He went against that with Mephibosheth, which was lame in his legs. And in fact, to the place where Mephibosheth was brought to the king's table and ate it with the king's sons as one of them. Why? Because he remembered he remembered what Jonathan had done for him. Um, it happened again. The men of Jabesh Gilead, David remembered them. Um, it, it, they, they had recovered Saul's body by night when Saul was killed and beheaded from the wall of Bethshean and gave him a proper burial, mourned for Saul, David's enemy. You find this in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 4. We're doing a little Bible study here and some application. The men of Judah came. And there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, that the men of Jabesh Gilead were there that buried Saul. In chapter 2, verse 5, And David sent messengers unto the men of Jabesh Gilead, and said unto them, Blessed be ye of the Lord. And ye have shown this kindness unto your Lord, even unto Saul. Ye have buried him. Remember, Saul pursued the life of David for 15 long years. Now the Lord showed kindness and truth unto you. I will also require you this kindness because you have done this thing. Therefore, now let your hands be strengthened and be ye valiant, for your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judith anointed me king over them. Could it have been that David also remembered Nahesh's son for the kindness that his father gave him? This is a third example. 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. It came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died, and Hanan, his son, reigned in his stead. Then David said, I will show kindness unto Hanan, the son of Nahash, as his father has showed kindness unto me. He remembered people that had contributed to him. Uh, he did it again with Barzillai. Barzillai, what a name, eh? That's a potential name for the child. Barzillai. Barzillai Barrows, brother. Now think about that. Think of the spelling. And exactly how do you spell that? Okay. But anyways, it's 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 7. But show kindness unto the sons of Barzillai. This is on his deathbed. David says to his son Solomon, the Gileadite, and let them be of those that eat at thy table. For they came to me when I fled before because of Absalom, thy brother. So on his deathbed, he gives instructions to them, the, the sons of Barzillai, which was an old man. And so could it have been, that one of the reasons at least, that David was considered a man after God's own heart that I have never heard preached on, could be the fact that he had a spirit of gratitude for people that had contributed to him, people that had helped him in time of need. In the New Testament, uh, Peter never claimed, and Peter, the, the head of the, always Peter, James, and John, never claimed he was a self-made man. Acts 4.20 says, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And Paul said the same thing, Acts 22.15, For thou shalt be a witness unto all men that thou hast seen and heard. And John, 
again testifies the same in 1 John 1, 3. It says, that which we have seen and heard declare unto you, we may have fellowship with us and truly fellowship with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. You and I are a collection of all the people around us that have invested in us their effort and their time. You people that play the piano, you know that's so true. How many hours a teacher sat with you and went over with you and helped you? I know some of you are going to say, well, I was self-taught. We were going to mention that, but we didn't. No, uh, there are some people that are self-taught. But somebody had to listen to you. And every one of us, every one of us has a collection of people in our lives that have invested in you. There is no such thing, really, as a self-made man or a self-made person. The truth is, we're not nearly as much to be credited compared to those around us that God has brought and allowed to contribute to us. How long has it been since you went back and thanked someone who was invested in your life? You want to do something fun? You want to, you want to, you, you say, I've been down. You, I can show you how to get up tonight. I can show you how to be encouraged tonight. Uh, I can, I can, I can show you. Being encouraged isn't that hard to do. Start thinking about people. Um, How about the preacher you were saved under if he's still alive? Uh, How about calling him up? He may be in a nursing home somewhere or some retirement home listening to the clock tick till he has his last few years. I've, I've met preachers in nursing homes. They go there occasionally. Or maybe nobody has called him. Of all the years, he gave the best he had. Nobody's calling him and said, Preacher, just thank you for preaching uh, the truth. Thank you for that Bible study you did with me. Thank you for giving me some time. How about your Sunday school teacher? When's the last time you called up one of your Sunday school teachers and said that worked with you, prepared their lesson week after week, uh, brought in, uh, you know, puppets and brought in flannel graph and, boy, that's old, amen. Brought in flannel graph, uh, brought in live snakes, uh, brought in rabbits, brought in something so you'd understand the story a little bit better. How long? How about a bus worker? When's the last time you were brought to church in a bus? The last time you found out who they were? First of all, you got to find out who they are, and go back and the the people who gave up their breakfasts with their family, people who gave up their lunch with their family. People who rode those buses up north, my, in Elkhart, 17 below zero, I, I drove a bus, uh, 15 below zero. I mean, a bus, you get 25 kids in a bus at 15 below zero. Trust me, a bus never gets warm. But what happens is their breath creates ice on the inside of that bus, and, and it's like a refrigerator that doesn't have a defroster. Pretty soon, I'm driving that bus out of a hole this big around. I got a little scraping. That was before OSHA. That was before seat belts. That was before children car carriers. That was before helmets on poor souls that ride bicycles. That was before shin guards. That was before everything. 
I don't know what has happened, but we're the, one of the safest, most protected group of people uh, I've ever seen. You see these people riding these bicycles with these helmets on. I'm thinking to myself, if I had to wear that old hot, sweaty helmet, I wouldn't ride that bicycle. God, we got a lay man on that. Amen. Amen. But but uh, I feel, I shouldn't say this. I feel bad for people who have children and have to carry around them 25-pound, 30-pound car seats. Man, when you had kids, you put them up on you, you put them in a papoose, wrapped, tied them to you, and, and went around. And in the car, they crawled up on the dash, crawled on the back, slept in the back window. Now, you know it's true. What does that have to do with this message? Nothing. It made no preacher happy. When was the last time you called your bus worker? I found one of the bus workers said, thank you for come picking me up. Thank you for giving. Um, are you like the butler? Are you like the butler? I don't want to be like the butler. Uh, how about your first and second grade teacher? I know most of you, your first and second grade teacher have been dead 30 years. I'm talking for people like Chris, people younger in their 20s, early 30s, uh, even you 40-somethings. A man, that first and second grade teacher, was they were vital in teaching you to read, teaching you to write. Now you say, oh, that was their job. You ever been around a bunch of first graders all day? There ain't enough money in the universe uh, to put me in the, in the midst of about 12, 15, uh, those little kids. No offense, not my call, you know, it's not my call. But I mean, whoa, they struggled with you. They were patient with you. They took time with you. How about the last time you called up the old church you came from and said to one of the old deacons, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being a, a sound, uh, a, a, a solid, uh, stabilizing, uh, foundational uh, voice in this, in this old local church and helping it to keep from blowing out when time of trouble came. Oh, this is a good one. How about your mom and dad? Now, I know most of you lost your mom and dad. You're all gone. You can't say. But if you could, you'd want to, wouldn't you? How many would? How many here tonight would like to call their mom and dad and thank them? Now you look at those hands, you young people. You look at those hands. Troy, don't call me. Uh, but it wouldn't hurt once in a while. I mean, I wouldn't mind it. Just if you called me up and said, Dad, thank you for being a wonderful dad. Oh, thank you. welcome. But I mean, you know, you know. I heard a sermon like this at Bob Jones University when I first went there. And man, thank God for the guy who preached it. I called my dad and just a whole, a whole 10 minutes of gratitude for who, who he had been, what he had been. I called my mom later on. You can't do it at the same time. I called my mom a separate time and just, just over. And then I wrote it in a letter, two-page letter. She kept that letter till she died. And I just thanked her for the, the I mean, you can't even remember all the stuff they do for you. I mean, getting up at 6 in the morning, making making uh, soggy French toast. My favorite French toast is when they leave it in the batter a little bit longer than normal, flip it over, and then they cook it. Don't cook it too. You want a little soggy in the middle and throw some real maple syrup because we didn't know any other kind of syrup but real maple syrup. Put real maple syrup on that thing with real Amish butter that was salted. Because if you got butter that's not salted, throw it out. 
boy, you got a parent alive. Go home tonight. Call. How, how many here have called a Bible college professor or teacher or a shop teacher and an auto mechanic teacher, woodworking, sewing, cooking, typing, and people that contributed to you, people that helped you, people that spent time with you, people that, that gave of themselves to you. Let me tell you, you're not self-made. You're a collection of, of all those folks that, have got, that God supernaturally has put in your path and put you among. And I think we, all of us can use this. A good old dose of gratitude. A good old dose of going back and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Here's the crazy part about doing that. You leave happier than you came. When you do that, you leave happier than you came. And oh, what a difference it makes in that few words of encouragement. I've heard through the years, preachers tell me, I got a call, a retired preacher. See, when a preacher talks, they're not here. Right? Brother Crane's not here and Brother Crabb's not here so I can talk about it. When preachers retire, they say sometimes the phone just shuts down. And it, let me just tell you, it's got to be hard to go from being needed in the way a pastor is needed to all of a sudden not be needed. And some of these old boys, whoa, what a, what a phone call. I remember Brother Crichton was going through some horrible, horrible times up at that old church in Greater Rhode Island. And, and they were, just had a horrible thing happen up there after he retired. He went back and had to take it back over and try to save it. I called that boy every week. Every week I called him and said, listen, man, I, I, I don't exactly know what you're going through, but I want to tell you I love you, I appreciate you. You are appreciated. And I, I just want to tell you, I don't know who's with you, but I'm with you. I'm with you. And I, I didn't know this, but he wasn't sleeping at night. He was having troubles. Of, I mean, plus, he's, he was old. He was late 60s. And, you know, latter days. And, and man, uh, Brother Crichton is, is over and over told me, man, thank you for calling me. Thank you for calling me. You know what? You'll probably not get too much. You'll probably not get too much gratitude. Can, can you get too much gratitude? I mean, what's the overdose? You know, you can get too much complaining. I can tell you that. Not too much griping. Pretty soon you're ready to just go, man. But but what? It, why is it about our human nature that a gripe goes so long? And a gripe goes so deep? And a gripe goes so far? But a compliment's just like, blurp. What it is about us? What's wrong with us? Somebody will come to me and criticize me, and I'll be, oh, oh, oh. Somebody will come up and compliment me and say, well, thank you. God be the glory. I don't want to think about it anymore. My wife is my sounding board. And she'll say, now, I want you to be just as happy about those compliments as you are wounded about those negative criticisms. I know you can't believe that people would criticize me. I know you can't believe that, but it happens. Anytime you stand up in front of a group of people, take your Bible, and here's our, here's our text verse beside Genesis 40, verse 23. Here's the text verse uh, as we end here, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. This is a phenomenal verse. This verse, woo, doggies, you should have this verse. For God is not unrighteous. Know that, notice that. 
God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. What that indicates to me, it's just pure wrong to forget people that do you good. He says, God's not like you are. God's not like I am to forget those who do me good. Is this my old nature to do that? But he says, oh, he says, God's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his, his name. And how'd you do that? In that ye have ministered to people, to people, to the saints. And in fact, you're still ministering to the saints. Wow. Sometimes, sometimes I'm going to tell on Marilyn Rose a little bit. Sometimes I think Marilyn is concerned about her age and her, 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 her you know, because you're up there, about 80. And she, what am I going to do if, if Bobby, if Bobby, it's not if Bobby dies, it's when Bobby dies. And, uh, you know, what am I going to do? And I said, Marilyn, you sowed so much good to so many people. I don't think that you're going to have to worry about it because God is not unrighteous to forget. God's not going to forget you. You don't think God's going to bring you down to the last few minutes of life and then just desert you. You do the right thing, God. You do, you do right along the way, day by day, and God will be there for you when you need him. And God, he'll raise God's people up for you to have an attitude of gratitude. How do I know this? Well, the Bible shows us very clearly that God cares about small things. Matthew 10, 42 says, Whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, not even in the name of Jesus. Verily, this is the God of all that is, whose voice created all that we see and all, all that's invisible, visible, on earth, under the earth, and above the earth. Verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. If God says and makes a promise to us, that if you'll do a good deed in my name, or even in the disciples' name, I'm going to remember you. I'm going to remember you. Glory to God. The attitude of gratitude. We should walk around. I I have, uh, I, I, try, I try to, let me tell you this. I'm not trying to, portray myself up here tonight as a fabulous uh, supersonic follower of what I'm telling you. But I have tried. I make lists of people to call. And I put them on. I love the iPhone because you can just touch the number and it'll dial. I hate dialing. We haven't done that in a while, have you? I like just touching the number and dials it. Hey, Siri, the only woman I've ever known didn't talk back. But, uh, hey, Siri. But, I mean, unbelievable. Easy to call people now. Uh, when's the last time you called those kids up at college? You know, they get lonely up there. I don't, I don't know if you've ever had experience of leaving home. Well, sure you did. Every one of you left home. Some of you were glad to leave home and never look back, but they're not, that's not the majority. The majority had a pretty good home, and you hated to leave it. I'm going to tell you, when I left home, I had a fabulous house, 
fabulous mom and dad, and I hated to leave it. I would cry. No one would want to see me do this. But I'd get by myself and cry like a baby, just missing my home. And that's really bad when you're married. <laughs> that's really bad. You do not let your wife see that. But after eating her food compared to my mother, You know, the first few years, you know how it goes. They're learning how to boil water, learning how to burn cookies. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a transition that a man has to suffer through. Nobody cares about us. Nobody, the women don't care about, I mean, you know, people always worried about the woman. Oh, she's got to get used to, no, it's, what about us? We're going to have a man's day where we just talk about what we've had to suffer. Again, I get no sympathy here. I don't feel any sympathy. But uh feels cold right now. But anyway, I did you turn the air down there, Charlie? But uh <laughs> but I didn't marry Betty Crocker. I married a girl that looked like Marilyn Monroe. I didn't care about cooking. I did later. Attitude of gratitude. I used to call her mother. And say, man, thank you for, thank you for being a good mother-in-law, and thank you for your daughter. Um, I, I've tried, I failed, I know, I've I, failed, but man, I've given it a, some try. What I'm preaching to you tonight, I've lived, tried to live some, and I, I, I want to be known. How many, how, how many times did you go to college, or when you went to college, your pastor ever called you just to chit chat? Bet none. I, I want to be that guy. I want to be the pastor that calls these kids and says, hey, I'm listening. I'm praying for you. You're on my mind. You're on my mind. I am praying for you, and I'm asking God to help you through this time of loneliness, this time of struggle, this time of decision-making. Man, don't you want to have that kind of attitude of gratitude? And all that is is just giving what you've been given and distributing. Father. Oh, I hope he helps us. Father, help us tonight. We ask you in Jesus' name to have the attitude of gratitude. Forgive us where we've forgotten who helped us. And then where we haven't been spread that all spread that positive attitude around by calling some of the folks that uh, we've ministered to, but but we haven't seen them in a while. Uh, maybe a shut-in, maybe an old widow that hasn't had anybody call her take her out to lunch. Maybe maybe uh, it could be uh, somebody has lost somebody, and a child in death or something, and just somebody call them and say, hey, I'm praying for you to help you. May God help you. It don't have to be much. It, it don't have to be elaborate. Probably, probably shouldn't be. But just let them know that you care about them, your mind's on them. Father, help us. Just help us to be givers. Help us to be blessed. Was, it that, was that part of David that you liked? He wouldn't forget those who helped him. Oh, may we be like that. A man after your own heart. According to Hebrews 6.10. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.